Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome to the Barca Blogronauts podcast. My name is Josh. Today, we are going to be joined by our old pal, Nick, to talk about a variety of topics such as, you know, Xavi coming on board as Barcelona manager and what that does for the expectations of the club in the short term. We're going to chat about Usman Dembele and some of the contract renewal rumors that have been coming out, as well as the January transfer budgets that has been reported, uh, specifically by ESPN this morning, that is quite low. Uh, and we're going to wrap things up by talking about the international break, what Nick is looking at specifically in UEFA, CONCACAF, and just a variety of topics. So everyone be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you're not subscribed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, all the places you get your podcast. And here we go with Nick. All righty, everybody. Welcome to the Barca Blogronas podcast. My name is Josh. We are joined by our old pal, Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? Hey, Josh. Doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah. And uh, like you mentioned before we started recording, uh, you always happen to come on during the international breaks. And of of all the international breaks, this is one of the more interesting in Barcelona's recent history because we get to talk about hope instead of, uh, you know, constantly discussing whether or not we're going to sack the manager. We can save that for the next next international break. But um, the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about is there's not like a ton of news trickling out of Barcelona right now other than there's not going to be a lot to spend this January. And the uh, the disciplinarian uh, mindset that Xavi is bringing back to Barcelona, kind of the Luis Enrique era uh, disciplinary style, such as, you know, canceling PK's TV experience. Uh, one of the funnier ones I saw this morning was Ricky Puig got caught skateboarding uh, and was he probably received a text message from Xavi about that. Um what are your what what are your thoughts on some of these uh quote you know Chavi the disciplinarian links coming back to Barcelona? Well, I think in general it's a good attitude to have to have a you know a manager who it just says like accountability matters. And if you have some rules set out, then that's good because you know if they're in 
ideally they're kind of in black and white so they can be followed or not followed. And so there's no gray area where there might be like, oh, that's just kind of an arbitrary decision and that could create friction between a manager and their players. But I'm looking at these rules. Um, I got them pulled up, the 10 rules. I'm looking through all of these and I'm like, I'm more surprised that these weren't in place before, or maybe they were, they were kind of unspoken rules that a manager like just assumed whether it was Clement or anyone else that, yeah, players will follow these rules, arrive early. I mean, uh, let's just say this, arrive early. The fact that when Sir, uh, that when um, Aguero arrived at Barcelona and he said, I came early to get a workout and nobody was there, that to me was pretty shocking. Um, and then I think he was also the guy who said like, oh, the training's here are way easier than Manchester City. So it's like eat right. Um, that's awesome. Arrive early. Staff arrives even earlier. Kind of common sense stuff here. Um, eat together. I love that. Um, I kind of assumed this was happening um, already. But if it's not happening, I think for a team that, you know, cohesion is always important. And uh, so the question will be how they're implemented. Do they see him as just being like the dictator who's being just punitive for the sake of it, flexing his power just because? Or is this like, no, this is a serious thing. We're professionals and we have some rules to follow. So I'm going to give Chavez the benefit of the doubt and say this is good to have. Um, I don't think any of these are out of line. I think they're all kind of common sense rules. Yeah, and I, I think like you mentioned, the the eating together one and stuff like that, like all of these kind of weird or not weird, but like more nitpicky details that are in the rules, right? I think it's important like in a team that has such talent and relies so much on youth, right? Like when you set these sort of expectations and you create this environment, um, not like a, you know, some of the stuff we were hearing about how the trainings were being held, like when Messi was still there. And of course, all the other old guys like PK and Busquets and Alba are still there, but um, kind of how the trainings were very yeah. lax and all that stuff. And I'm not necessarily saying, you know, trainings need to be, you know, militaristic, right? Like, like you mentioned, just for the sake of it, but kind of creating that like, um, that collegiate atmosphere is especially important for all these young players to get an idea of what it's like to be a professional that it's not like, Oh, you come to Barcelona and you coast, like you come to Barcelona and you create an environment where each person relies on the person next to him. And it seems like that's what Xavi is trying to set forward with these rules. Yeah. And that's kind of like what, what leadership is all about. Like you assume that, well, these guys are professionals. They've had a lot of structure their entire lives just to get to this point. But I think the rules are important. Uh, but I am just laughing, imagining Ricky Pooch scootering through Barcelona and like uh, on the sidewalk going through traffic. I guess this was on Monday, right before the rules were implemented. And the visual of that to me is just hilarious that that could actually happen. And yeah, I know from, you know, just being here, seeing these scooters all over the place, that those things can be dangerous. And what a story that would be for Xavi to say during this injury crisis that one of his uh, best young players got injured on a scooter. And uh, so it's good. Just like lay down the, those rules and they can follow them. And then I think it'll be easier to get off to a start. It's, it's easier to like relax rules, I feel like, than to try to implement them later on. That's so funny because it, 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 I in the in the sport report I read they said Pooch got caught on an uh, an electric skateboard and it's funny how that just gets lost in like I don't know if that's translation or what but I literally pictured him on like what I see teenagers riding around on like those electric like um like those long boards that like have like the little remote control I didn't know it was like a legitimate like scooter that's hilarious. Well, there's a translation here. I still I would like to see the video of this before I just to really have my final judgment on what happened but. I hope that I was like, hey, that's Ricky. Someone gets a video. 
Uh, that would be awesome. I would laugh. And then they can like have these rules and he can follow them. So Gavi is going to play with the national team. And then Ricky is going around Barcelona on a scooter. Kind of so, a funny comparison. He'll get so, there. So the, the Gerard PK TV appearance thing, right? Like not, not super surprising. Um, although like it's probably good for Barcelona that he stops talking as much, but one of the things I have enjoyed over the last 12 months is the brutal honesty of Gerard PK. Uh, is this some sort of like, you know, obviously Xavi and PK have history together. They're buddies. Is is it a good idea for Barcelona to not let Xavi go out and be honest to people? Well, and this like with PK specifically, I think he's been, he, he is like, he is a leader. He's experienced and on the field. I think he still does his thing to like keep everybody organized and he'll be vocal with the more vocal leaders. But he is distracted. Like he talks all the time about his side projects and business ventures and everything. And I, I guess for a player like that, it's hard to tell him no because it's different than being distracted because you're going out and partying like Ronaldinho did back in the days. If you're saying, oh no, this is just you know, I have other like this is the Davis Cup or whatever, and this is what I do. No, Chavi's like you can't be distracted. This is Barcelona, and we haven't been successful lately. And if you're the captain, one of the leaders of this team. You need to be like 100% undivided on the task at hand. So if he can say that to PK, he can pretty much, you know, expect, uh, ask everyone else to make sacrifices too. So I think that's actually a good example, but it's also, we'll see like with someone like PK, how he reacts to it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful and optimistic. I think this is what the Barcelona players want. Even somebody like PK, because it'd be like, all right, he's right. This is good for the team. Um, at least at this point, I'd like to think so. And if not, it kind of reveals more about the player if there is any backlash. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about Usman Dembele for a minute. So, uh, of course, unfortunately, suffers yet another injury setback after uh, Emil and I literally recorded the pod last week talking about how how good we thought he looked uh, midweek, and then of course he gets the the report comes out on Thursday about his injury. Now, uh, Barcelona and him have, you know, they've been in contract renewal discussions. Uh, they're reportedly offering him a contract based on games played, which seems a little harsh, but you can honestly kind of understand it from the business perspective as to why they would go that route. How are you feeling about Usman Dembele right now? Are you just as kind of frustrated with the rest of us? Do you think Barcelona should try to sell him, give him a renewal? What are your thoughts on Dembele? Well, with the injuries, I know I, I read somewhere that this didn't exist when he was at Dortmund. Like, like these injuries really started when he came to Barcelona. So maybe we can say it really is about whatever environment is going on there, some structure. Maybe there are some things preventatively that can help him going forward. Um, I agree when I saw him play. I'm, I'm, he's one of those players. I think like Ricky is another one of these players who he's kind of a lightning rod. You either love him or you're going to find any excuse to be critical of him when you see him play. But to me, when I saw him come onto the field, I was like, this guy's lightning in a bottle. This is exactly what Barcelona needs. It's a new dimension to the game. He takes it. He's vertical. He goes forward. He opens up space for everybody else. And uh, Chavi likes him. That's what I like to see. Like, Chavi recognizes the importance of having true wingers. And I think that's also why he's interested in a player like Sterling, who has pace to complement what the guys in the midfield are trying to do in the more traditional Barcelona way. As far as that contract goes, if I'm Dembele, I don't take it. And I don't think he will. If you have, uh, you know, you want guaranteed money, especially if you've had injuries in the past, but if still showing a lot of potential, you're not going to be like, I'm just going to prove to the world and myself that I'm not going to get injured again. That's not a contract that I think he's going to be advised to take. 
So I, I don't think this is going to get done super quickly if that's what the expectation is, unless they really like put in a lot of incentives. Um, but for Barcelona, of course, that's what you want because everyone recognizes like what he can give to the team, but there's a lot of frustration and uncertainty around the injuries. So that would be an interesting space to watch for sure with that contract. Yeah. And you mentioned the, how his you know, injury stuff didn't really start till he got to Barcelona. Um, how his consistent injury stuff didn't necessarily start to happen until he came to Barcelona. And that wasn't one of the things that there was a report like right before Xavi was official that kind of, he wanted three things. And one of them was a complete overhaul of the club's medical staff. Uh, that, that was reported. I don't necessarily know if there has been action towards that um, or some sort of evaluation of the club's kind of medical practices. And I think, you know, looking at that from the outside, like that's like one of the like most, uh, that's one of the things I would want most looked at is because of those, not just Dembele, but some of the other strange injury recovery things that have happened, whether it's Fati or um, uh, just some of the other strange injury stuff that has happened at the club in the last few years. Uh, and you have to wonder whether or not the Dembele situation in particular kind of spurred Xavi to want to take a look at that. Um, and I know that uh, we're getting close to the January transfer window, right? And so do you think that if Barcelona, do you think Barcelona will sell him in January if they can't agree to a contract renewal? Yeah, I, it'll be it'll be interesting to see between now and January, there's a lot of time. And because of this injury crisis, I think that's going to dictate a lot of what happens. Like how, who's going to come back? Are they going to be fully fit? Are there going to be options in January? They're not just going to give away a season. But you could see if there's, frustration with the contracts and if someone makes a big offer for Dembele to bring in some money and if all of a sudden you have a lot of forwards back and maybe use that money to bring somebody else in you could nothing surprises me anymore especially after last summer in the transfer window and the fact that we know that there are financial problems and considerations but um exactly like the links that Laporta will go to to well exactly what the situation is like in the in the books we don't know um, but in terms of the accounting, you can see Laporte to making the case that he's too big of a risk with his injury history. He's asking for too much for us to make sense of this. We really, really need for him to do it based on games played. He won't do it. And maybe we can use that money to bring in a player like Sterling who could be a substitute. So I think anything could happen, but, uh, I don't know. I, I guess it'll depend on Xavi too in fitness. You you really do like to see he's not going around just like giving glowing reviews and evaluations of every single player, but he's called out Dembélé specifically. And I think that unlike the other managers recently, Xavi has a vision in mind whether it'll work or not. We'll see. But I think that the uh, the uh, the board and the president are going to kind of defer to Xavi to give his uh, conclusion on that before anything happens. Yeah, and so talking about the January transfer window, there was uh, an ESPN report this morning that detailed uh, that Xavi will reportedly have less than $10 million to spend uh, in the January transfer window. Uh, some of the reasons cited were, of course, the, um, the, the, the rumored payoff with Ronald Koeman is being negotiated still, but it could be as much as $12 million, apparently. Uh, the clause that Xavi had to um, have paid for him to be released from his contract with Al-Sad was, uh, it was set at 5 million. We don't know, you know, we don't know if it was that full 5 million, if it was less, but either way, the, it appears like the money that Xavi is going to have to spend in the January transfer window is not going to be that much, whether it's 10 or a little bit more, you know, remains to be seen. Um, 
what do you want to see Barcelona accomplish in the January transfer window? Yeah, it's well, it's interesting just because in the next month, fingers crossed, players are going to be coming back from injury. So you could see either there are setbacks and it's just like it's absolutely necessary to bring some important players in in January. Or you could say, all right, all these midfielders are coming back. Pedri's coming back. Um, our forwards, maybe Braithwaite is ready. Obviously, like Braithwaite is still Braithwaite. We all like, like him a lot for the role he should be playing. Um, but I, I don't know, it would be great to me. Could we get Luke Young out the door? Like that's kind of a smaller thing, but could we just talk about that? Is that possible? Um, and just because he's just not a good fit, especially with Xavi. Um, I don't know. I think someone like Sterling, if, if there's limited funds, if it's a six-month loan, you can do that with the money, even though he's expensive. And I think that could energize the team uh, just for the last six months of the season. And maybe there could be an option to buy at the end. I'm hearing Danny Olmo and Ferran Torres now as like the other two big names, but they're going to be expensive. And, and my opinion is a lot of potential there, but I'm not sold on either one. And if they're coming at a, at a huge price in January, I'm not sure I would want to see either one of them come in. Uh, who knows who will watch Danny Olmo and Torres this week play for Spain. Maybe my mind will be changed. These are big games that Spain has coming up. Um, but I almost feel like in that scenario, midfielders coming back, I think our midfield, he has a lot to work with there. If the, if the midfield is healthy, there's not a whole lot. Maybe someone who's more defensive minded and, and bigger and stronger, but it would be, I guess, bringing in a forward. And of all the, the players being named, I think Sterling makes the most sense given the fact that it was just loan. And he can probably contribute something for sure. Yeah, so let's talk about expectations. Um, I don't think any of us have sky-high expectations for Barcelona in either La Liga or the Champions League uh, at the start of the season. Certainly not now. Um, Barcelona come back from the international break and immediately have uh, mid a midweek match against Benfica that will go uh, pretty far in determining their Champions League future because... If for whatever reason they lose to Benfica, uh, they're probably already out. And even if they draw, um, you know, Benfica then has Dynamo Kiev and Barcelona have Bayern Munich in the last uh, the last uh, match day of the the group stage. Um, so there's a lot of big matches coming up, right? Especially in La Liga. Has your expectations for Barcelona's success change with Xavi and I, I don't necessarily mean success in terms of where they will place in the league and the Champions League but kind of I guess a better way of phrasing this is like what does success look like with Xavi at the helm for you the rest of the way well I think it really is about performances and not necessarily about trophies this season at all I mean maybe once again like Copa del Rey is always realistic um I don't he has a really tough um, you know, a few games to start his tenure under a derby against Espanol. That's really hard. And Espanol actually looks pretty solid and tough and gritty as always. I mean, we, I would love to see Xavi, you know, get the job done and qualify for the knockout stage of the Champions League. There's a lot of financial incentives to doing that. That's why I think it's important to make that qualification. But from a, like, development standpoint, I'm not sure it would be the end of the world if Barcelona were in third place and lost to Benfica and they were in the Europa and maybe they could qualify for Champions League using that path. It's not something any Barcelona fan wants to hear, but I don't think it's the end of the world. Under Xavi, it's less about trophies 
and more about performances and seeing, okay, he has ideas. Is he in over his head or can he get the players to buy in? Can he make this work in some way? And even if these aren't the players for the future, is this a system like that can develop over the long term? The goals, I think, absolutely are the top four finish. That would be pretty disappointing if that didn't happen. And then whether it's Champions League um, in the knockouts, which let's be honest, even if they qualified, I think we'd all be pretty afraid if we had to play in the next Well, maybe I'll take that back. You know, I always think about what happened last year with Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea. Although he's such he's such a pragmatist as a coach, unlike Xavi, who's talking about total football, beautiful football right away. Thomas Tuchel was like, uh, we're just going to be defensive and we're going to win games one to zero. And people are going to ask if we're capable of scoring goals and if this is so it's kind of a different approach completely. Um, but I guess for me, whether it's uh, top four finish is the main thing. Um, and then I, I think it's just going to be very interesting week in and week out to see um, what is Travis vision. Is it feasible to actually implement it with this team? And um because it's Laporta who appointed him and not Bartomeu with Corman, he's going to get some time, I think, to make this work. So I, it's just going to be fun watching this first season. And I think he will get some patience, but I think those are the goals. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the international break. Um, so there's obviously some World Cup qualifying matches. You mentioned Spain, Italy. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that have big matches, United States. Uh, what are you going to be keeping an eye on over the international break? The big thing is Spain. Uh, they have, you know, under Luis Enrique, he's gotten a lot of credit uh, for doing some good things, uh, getting to the uh, final of the, um, uh, what's the tournament called again? League of Nations. League of Nations. Yeah, League of Nations, the new tournament. That was just kind of cool to get there. I think that was symbolic and nice. But uh, you're in second place in their group in the European qualifying for UEFA. And we know Italy missed out in the last World Cup. It can happen. Some bad luck, some bad results. So I think watching Spain is the most important thing. They have to beat Greece. And they really want to beat Sweden so they can qualify in first place or get in first place and just take everything out of their, all the uncertainty out of their hands of going to a playoff. I think that's the most fun to watch. And plus, you got all these um, Spanish players, uh, these Barca players, someone like Gavi. Okay, so uh, Gavi. We all know that for a 17-year-old that, you know, you're pretty impressive. Uh, you get this call up, but this is the big game. This is where you really have to prove that, uh, you know, Luis Enrique likes you. Very likely you're going to get a start. Um, and this is where you're either just going to explode and just confirm what everybody is hoping and thinking that you can contribute on, like, during big games. Um, or we're going to learn that, you know, he has some development still and patience is needed. So that's going to be fun to watch. And then I suppose that Danny Olmo and Fran Torres, since they're being talked about, potential future Barcelona players. It'll be good to watch that as well and see if they are really players who would fit the uh, the system at this point in time for Barcelona. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about CONCACAF in a second, but just to give the listeners kind of a rundown of what UEFA looks like. So in Group A right now, Portugal are one point behind Serbia, uh, first and second place. Uh, Group B, you mentioned Spain is two points behind Sweden with a big match against the first and third place teams coming up in the next week. Uh, group C, Italy and Switzerland are tied up top. Uh, and then honestly, I'm not going to go through the rest of the groups because there's nothing really surprising. In, um, I guess the only other thing would be Wales right now sits third place in their group, tied for second with the Czech Republic. 
Um, so a lot of big matches coming up for UEFA teams. Uh, what are you looking at in CONCACAF? Well, CONCACAF as an American, um, we're all like very, I wouldn't say we're excited or even hopeful. Um, the, the good window in the last uh, for the United States, getting some solid results, second place behind Mexico, three points though in second place. So they need to have a good window. It's disappointing that Serginho Dest isn't going to be there to play, but we're going to start to see if the Americans have some depth. Very much looking forward to the United States versus Mexico. Um, to see, uh, you know, Bert Halter made some kind of controversial uh, call-ups, leaving out John Brooks, bringing in a lot of MLS players. That to me is just baffling. Leaving out Conrad De La Fuente. It's a Barca person to me. He think he's doing great at Marseille. Pretty disappointed to not see him involved. Um, but it's a big game. And for the United States, talk about like another team that missed out in the last World Cup. Um, you can't have good windows and bad windows. You got to get a result versus Mexico, and you got to take care of business against Jamaica, or else uh, Americans are going to be biting their nails. And, uh, and uh, it would be better to uh, take care of business now and then have the rest of the games be an opportunity for players to um, – there's competition, a lot of competition. That's a good thing. And use those games to have players really battle it out internally. spots on the team yeah let's just say this uh we don't want it to be in question when we come back to the there's another international break in mid-january where they play el salvador and canada uh and then the final international break is actually and honduras uh and then the about a month and a half later is the final three matches against mexico panama and costa rica i don't want to be going into that mexico match like terrified for my life that if they lose um, their qualifying hopes are going to, you know, rest on a do or die match against Panama or Costa Rica. Like that's just one, uh, that's not great as a fan. And two, I'm not super confident that they're ready for a do or die match already. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that would be horrible. No. And that's part of this too. It's not just the players. It's the mentality of the team, kind of similar parallel to Barcelona there. Um, are you going to go like super pragmatic against Mexico? Are you going to say, oh, they're still the best team in CONCACAF, so we just have to be conservative and play for a tie. I think Bert Halter actually has been trying to get his team to play with possession, um, which has made them a little bit exposed in the back. But really take the game to Mexico. It's a rivalry. It's huge. And um, since the World Cup's going to be in the United States and Mexico in 2026, this is like one of the last few times we're going to get to see the true rivalry with in full force with tons of things on the line. So even for a neutral whether you're American or Mexican or not, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yes, it is. All right. Well, that's all the notes I had. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to chat about before we head out for the day? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited at this international break, and I think all Barcelona fans should be. Um, we've seen a lot of legends come into clubs. Sometimes it hasn't worked out. Sometimes it has. Um, I'm feeling really good about Xavi, and I think it's coming at the right time. I wasn't as excited about him six months ago or, or a year ago when it was being talked about. But given the emergence of Pedri and Gavi and all these midfielders and the fact that, you know, you just look at his intensity and his passion, um, you know, we'll see how he does. But right now I think it's a hopeful time to be a Barcelona fan. So let's enjoy the international break and can't wait for that game against Espanyol. No, it's very well put. It isn't, it's nice to be hopeful, even if it's only for a period till I'm already writing, uh, Chavi rumors in like six months, but it's nice for now. Um, Nick, thank you for joining us. Everyone be sure to check out Nick's great writing at BarcaBlogRounds.com and we will chat again soon. Awesome. Thank you very much.